Hello and welcome to another episode of the Chillinois Podcast. It's Cole here, and today is 7-11. Yesterday was 7-10. We celebrated the great holiday that is, I don't know, how would you call it? Or what would you call it? I, I don't know. I guess it's a Cannabis Concentrate Consumption Day. I don't know. That sounds about right, though, right? Um, so before we get too deep into this podcast, I wanted to give everybody a heads up that we've got a new podcast dropping tomorrow, 712. Um, that'll be including or featuring rather Kate Manson from tarocbd.com. Um, Justine is the host of that episode. So if you like, um, episodes that only include Justine, well, here's another one for you. Um, We'll also be having another episode released on 719, so stay tuned for that. So welcome. Yeah, it's another episode. I don't have a lot to talk about today. It's been a rainy week, both literally and metaphorically for me. I've, I've not had the best week, folks, but but you don't tune in to uh, hear about my depression. You tune in to hear about the latest in cannabis news uh, or to be entertained or I don't know why you people tune into this odd ca- uh, podcast, to be completely honest. Um, I'm not even going to continue to try to guess. Um, but I will say that I do have some Illinois cannabis news to talk about today. Um, small crackers, or however you want to say it. It's not It's not like huge changes, but they are changes nonetheless. Nonetheless, rather. Um, we're seeing an expansion of Ashley's Law. So if you recall, folks, Ashley's Law is a law that was written to allow... Um, minor patients who um, are registered cannabis patients to the law allowed those patients or let me just put it this way kids that are registered patients can take cannabis products at school as needed this expands that law to allow them to take um, infused products at public parks or summer camps Um, that's really the only thing that I, that's the only conditions that I saw that it it expands. Um, but maybe there's some other things within the law. I've not actually done a deep dive on the law, um, to, to see if there's anything else hidden in there or anything that didn't make headline news rather. Um, the only other thing that I have to cover with regard to Illinois cannabis is the fact that we're seeing record sales again for the month of June. So, as reported by Kyle Yeager from MarijuanaMoment.net, Illinois has sold a record number of cannabis products in June. This is according to state data. Um, You know, we had our first retail shop open at the beginning of 2020, and those sales rang in at about $115.5 million in total. Um... And so that was in June. Now, while that figure is marginally lower than the overall sales record set in May, it's the latest example of the popularity of Illinois of the Illinois Adult Use Cannabis Program, which has continued to thrive even throughout the pandemic. It also translates into a significant windfall of tax revenue for the state, with the Department of Revenue reporting $38,718,000 in recreational cannabis tax dollars for the month of June. Um... Like I say, you can look at Kyle Yeager's um, article on this on MarijuanaMoment.net to learn a little bit more. But long story short, um, you know, sales are still high on the adult use side of things. I wouldn't be surprised to see them be higher um, 
I wouldn't surprise. I wasn't necessarily surprised to see them be as high as they were because of the fact that we had the medical cannabis program problem last year, or sorry, last month rather. So my prediction on that, if you guys saw on social media and anything else, is that we'd see a lower sales as a result on the medical cannabis side. Now we've not been able to prove that prediction correct or false yet because the, uh, at least the last time I checked, I'll check again really quick. The Illinois Department of Health hadn't released an update for the medical cannabis program. I just checked. The last time they released an update was June 7th. So um, I'm thinking we're due one any day now. And what I'm predicting is we're going to see a sales drop for the medical cannabis program. And, um, you know, as I just said, we've seen um, another, another record number of sales for cannabis products in the month of June. I attribute some of that to... Um, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to, you know, connect these dots, but I'm attributing that to the problems that we experienced with the medical cannabis program. I think that a lot of medical cannabis patients were forced to purchase at the adult on the adult use counter. Um, we saw plenty of, uh, cultivators and dispensaries offering, um, sales, uh, to offset the taxes that, were being forced upon the medical cannabis patients. So that was really cool because that was the only time I personally have ever seen a discount like that out of compassion. I mean, it, it, that discount, you still had to pay the taxes technically speaking, but since they gave you that 30% discount, um, you know, that was, that was a sign of something, right? So Ultimately, this is all going to transition. Barry, uh, I'm streaming live on Instagram right now, and Barry asked the question, you know, will we, will there be a day where we're able to go to any medical cannabis dispensary? Yes. Apparently. (laughs) I'll say it that way. Apparently, yes. Now, the reason I say it that way is because we've been told this a few times before, you know, as everybody's familiar with, we were told that last month, but we were also told that just before adult use cannabis went live and they launched a new system and added new um they added new conditions and they allowed for provisional registrations when the provisional registration system came around we were actually promised or we were told rather that that was the time that we would have to stop registering dispensaries apparently this new IntelliTrack system that we've upgraded to actually now allows us to make that change but for the time being at least, well, for right now, we can go to any medical store in the state. From from what I'm led to believe, today, 7-Eleven, we can go to any store that we want to. But when they get the IntelliTrack system working, there's a possibility that for a period of time, you're still going to have to register at a preferred dispensing location. Like I say, there's a good chance there's going to be a period of time where you're kind of you still have to do that because I've asked about it like from Representative Kelly Cassidy for example and she said yes the the system will be able to do it in the future. This new system allows for this for this new for the ability wow I cannot speak this morning. This new system allows medical cannabis patients to go to any dispensary and buy some motherfucking legal cannabis at the medical cannabis tax rate. So that's what this new system will allow us to do, and that's really exciting. So like I say, it's going to be 
uh, really interesting to see those medical cannabis uh, sales numbers released because I would like to kind of set it side by side uh, with other months and just see how maybe that outage affects affected the trends. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, so yeah, getting tax dollars, record sales, it's good stuff. Um, for folks that are just tuning in, I want to remind you that we've got a podcast dropping tomorrow, 7-12. It's going to be with Kate Manson from tarocbd.com. Justine is the host of that episode, so if you really like podcasts with Justine as the host, there's another one coming your way. Um, there's also going to be another um, podcast uh, released on 719, and I'm really excited for that one because it's going to be with Tony Simonelli, um, who's a professional that's doing some really awesome things in other states, and it's somebody that I've been following on uh, social media for quite a while, so it was cool to sit down and talk to him. All right, well, we've got other Illinois cannabis news, including the announcement of what could be, or what they're saying is the first consumption lounge, but it, it seems like I've started a beef by talking about this, because I, I shared, you know, and said that the Luna Lounge in Sessor, Illinois is opening. I said that we were going to turn Sessor into Sessure, <laughs> Sessor, Illinois, instead of Sessor, Illinois, and I, you know, I kind of shared what Luna Lounge and other people have been saying, which I said, you know, this is the first consumption lounge in the state of Illinois and um, to open in the state of Illinois. And I had a few people reach out to me and say, no, that's not true. That is not true. And, uh, you know, I asked for some proof um, for the one that, that they had said was the first company um, I've yet to receive that proof, so I'm not going to even name them. Um, you know, if they're not going to send me the proof yet, I'm not going to give them a shout out on the podcast yet. Um, but I am working on getting them on the show, and, and we can talk about if they were, in fact, the first consumption lounge. But either way, like I say, it sounds like those people that were correcting me weren't wrong because I read an article by uh, Robert McCoppin, who actually did some reporting on this uh, consumption lounge in Southern Illinois, Sessor, Illinois. Um, and he actually, in the article, he said, a tobacco hookah lounge in DeKalb began allowing cannabis smokers two weeks ago. So there's another indication that maybe, maybe the Luna Lounge is not the first consumption lounge here in the state of Illinois. But either way, I don't really care who is first. I'm just happy that it's fucking happening, right? So in Sessor, Illinois, you can go and consume cannabis. I believe that the um, the Luna Lounge, yeah, Luna customers pay a four dollar and twenty cent entry fee, and may buy may buy CBD pipes and rolling papers. They may rent bongs out of the old bank vault. The lounge will also provide entertainment with bands, a fire eater, and a tarot card reader for opening night. Comedians on other nights. Hey, and videos, cards, and board games. Video cards and board games. So also video games. I read that roughly, but um, so that's exciting, right? Um, let's see, let's see. Looks like the Gary Roder maybe um is one of the owners or or somebody who. Wait a minute. I said Gary Roder, and then this is saying Roder said she worked 10 years in the... 
I knew there was a girl involved. I'm pretty sure the a, a female, a woman. I sound so fucking ignorant. Um, <laughs> there was a person involved that was a female, and I believe she's the founder. Um, I, I think this article is saying she worked 10 years in the cannabis industry in California as a dispensary manager and as a cannabis chemist. She also applied for a license to infuse edibles with cannabis, but has been waiting for more than a year for the state to award those licenses after many delays. Hey, she sounds like she's in the boat everybody else is in with regard to licenses. Oh, it's Holly Roeder, not Greg Roeder. My apologies. Greg must be her significant other or something like that. Um, so anyways, just to wrap up this conversation, I've reached out to Holly. She sounds like she wants to come on the show. We'll be talking about what they do. I believe they just open on 710. Um, somebody just asked, is it female-owned? Yes, I do believe so. Um, Google up, Google the Luna Lounge in Cesar, Illinois to confirm that if you if you, you know, prefer to buy from female-owned businesses. Um, definitely, you know, yeah, do that research and give them your support. Um, looks like the other uh, consumption lounge I made reference to in DeKalb is called Aromas Hookah Bar. So not, I want to be clear to folks that are listening both live and uh, via the podcast that neither the Luna Lounge nor Aromas Hookah Bar in DeKalb are licensed to sell cannabis. So customers must bring their own legally purchased weed. Customers are still subject to state laws requiring cannabis to be in a sealed container from a dispensary and may still be arrested for driving while impaired. I got to make a little bit of a correction to this article because... Um, there's nothing in the law that says that cannabis must be in a sealed container from a dispensary. The law says it must be in a sealed, odor-proof, child-proof container, okay? So don't let anybody tell you that the container must be from the dispensary because that's bullshit. It just frankly is bullshit. The uh, regulations around the container is that it needs to be child-proof, odor-proof, and sealed that means closed that doesn't mean that the little tamper evident evident paper thing that they have on there to see if you've opened it or not that doesn't mean that just because that's opened that that you can get in trouble like it's as long as it's closed and it needs to be closed then you'll be fine so so yeah that's uh, some exciting stuff consumption lounges they're opening up in illinois there's more and more i know of at least three one of them like i said um, still trying to get some details on, so we'll talk about it in the future. Um, but yeah, really cool stuff. So I've got a f- couple more topics to talk about today. Honestly, this podcast, um, I got on here more for myself than for you guys. I need to get my mind off of some things. So sorry for if I that's TMI, but um, I've just had a really rough week, and I thought maybe a good idea to get my mind off of some things would be to get on this podcast and talk about things, right? So um, so I talked about the expansion of Ashley's Law, which was House Bill 3139. It was signed by J.B. Pritzker recently and went into effect immediately. Um, we'd really love to see some, you know, li- something to do with licenses signed, J.B., especially that new dispensary license law, which there's still no, dis- uh, there's still no signing date for, unfortunately. Um, I wanted to, to start a conversation that I started on my Instagram that I really think is a valid conversation, but I want to preface this entire, 
idea slash rant with the fact that I am not an attorney. I'm not a lawyer. Legalese confuses me and I'm not smart. (laughs) So, um, I was reading though, the cannabis regulation and tax act, as most of you probably do when you're bored. I'm just joking. I, I doubt any of you have read the Cannabis Regulation and Tax Act. I personally have not read the whole thing, uh, but I frequent it and I, I just check out things and I try to understand things. Usually I just end up confusing myself a little bit more and that's probably what today is going <laughs> to... I feel bad talking about it if that's maybe what's going to happen, but I want to have an open conversation because I'm not, you know, I, uh, I'm i going to loop in people that are more, that are more well-read than I. Um, but I think that this is like a really valid uh, conversation. So if you look into the Cannabis Regulation and Tax Act, which is the law that legalized adult use sales of cannabis in the state of Illinois, there's Article 30. It's called Craft Growers. So if you go to Article 30, um, there's a little section in here that basically says that... Prior to issuing such licenses, in other words, craft licenses, the Department of Agriculture may adopt rules through emergency rulemaking in accordance with subsection GG of section 5-45 of the Illinois Administrative Procedure Act. Here's where it gets, it gets interesting. To modify or raise the number of craft grow licenses and modify or change the licensing application process to reduce or eliminate barriers. The General Assembly finds that the adoption of rules to regulate cannabis use is deemed an emergency and necessary for the public ex- for the public interest, safety, and welfare. In determining whether to exercise the authority granted by this subsection, the Department of Agriculture must consider the following factors. Right? They must consider whether the percentage of cannabis sales occurring in Illinois, not in the regulated market, using data from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, National Survey on Drug Use and Health, Illinois Behavioral Risk Factor Surveillance System, and tourism data from the Illinois Office of Tourism to ascertain total cannabis consumption in Illinois compared to the amount of sales in licensed dispensing organizations. Number two. Whether there is an adequate, whether there is an adequate, God damn, I can't speak. Whether or not there is an adequate supply of cannabis and cannabis-infused products to serve registered medical cannabis patients. Three, whether there is an adequate supply of cannabis and cannabis-infused products to serve purchasers. Four, whether there is an oversupply in Illinois leading to trafficking of cannabis to states where there, where the sale of cannabis is not permitted by law. Five population increases or shifts Um, six the density of craft growers in any area of the state seven perceived security risks of increasing the number or location of craft growers eight the past safety record of craft growers nine the department of agriculture's capacity to appropriately regulate additional licensees ten the findings, the findings and recommendations from the Disparity and Availability Study commissioned by the Illinois Regu- Cannabis Regulation Oversight Officer to reduce or eliminate any identified barriers to entry in the cannabis industry. And finally, 11, any other criteria the Department of Agriculture deems relevant. Okay. Woo! That was a lot of reading, all right? So let's break this down. And let me return to my original point that I'm not a fucking lawyer. I don't know how to read law. I know how to read, but barely, as you guys can tell. 
Um, <laughs> so here's what I'm latching on to, and here's where I, this is where I want to start a conversation, right? Um, the law, and like I say, I'm in section, or sorry, Article 30, the craft growing section of the CRTA, which is what legalized adult use cannabis here in the state of Illinois. Um, basically, it's saying that prior to issuing such licenses, the craft licenses, the department may adopt rules through emergency rulemaking in accordance with the subsection to modify or raise the number of craft grower licenses and modify or change the licensing application process to reduce or eliminate barriers, right? Furthermore, I, I love that they included that the General Assembly, who are the people that passed and drafted this bill, found that the adoption of rules to regulate cannabis use is deemed an emergency and necessary for the public interest, safety, and welfare. And then, you know, when they lay out those 11 points of, uh, you know, it's, it's criteria in which they use, in which they would hopefully use to determine whether to exercise the authority granted by the subsection I'm reading. Um, I, th I thought the criteria was pretty interesting, and I really wonder if they're even checking into any of these things that are under their purview. For example, the percentage of sales occurring in Illinois and comparing that to substance abuse data, mental health service, uh, so <laughs> comparing that to data from Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration or the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, um, if they're doing any, any of that at all. Um, how, <laughs> points number two and three, I don't know how um, they haven't you know, used these as reasons, but whether there is an adequate supply of cannabis for medical or just purchasers. So, I mean, those are two right there. I, I wouldn't say that we've had an adequate supply, but maybe be adequate is uh, maybe if you, that depends on who you ask, right? What does adequate mean? Let me pause to take a drink really quick. All right, whether there's an oversupply of cannabis, we're definitely not seeing that. Um, I liked this one, uh, the, these couple reasons. Number seven and eight, if there's perceived security risks of increasing the number or location of craft growers, they can you know decide what to do with in those cases. But I really liked number eight. And if the past safety record of a craft grower is bad, they could use that as a reason to grant more licenses, right? Number 10 is super strong, and I, I really, I don't know, like, if we're on track for this still or what um, what exactly is going on with this, but there is supposed to be um, a disparity and availability study that's commissioned by the Illinois Cannabis Regulation Oversight Officer, and... I am just interested to see what the findings and recommendations will be from that because I, yeah, I just, I, I, I am interested to see <laughs> just bluntly, I guess I don't really have anywhere else to go with that. I'm just interested to see if they have any findings or recommendations that are, that are valuable, you know, to, to us as consumers. Um, I was just reading the live comments. Barry said, let me pause to take a puff. Um, I I actually have, I'm not smoking right now. I quit smoking, I quit using cannabis for now. I'm on a tolerance break. Um, I'll be back, baby. I'll be back, don't worry. 
Um, but for now, I'm taking a break from cannabis. So it's a good, healthy break. I'm trying to, I'm trying to practice responsible consumption. And I feel that it would be irresponsible if I consumed the amount of cannabis that I wanted to consume right now. <laughs> right? Um, so, yeah, that was my little little rant on the Illinois Department of Ag. So, yeah, guys, dig into Article 30, the craft grower section. Tell me, do you come away with the same with the same questions or ideas that I've come away with? Because I've not actually realized that the Illinois Department of Ag actually had this power until I, I don't even... I don't even know what inspired me to um, what inspired me to look into this, you know. But uh, I did, and it's uh, super interesting. And I'd love to hear what you guys think. So, if you want to share your thoughts, go to chillinois.net/contact, and you can send us your way. Just fill out the contact form, and you can send your thoughts our way. I don't think I said that right when I said it the first time. So, send your thoughts our way. We'll fucking read them on air and and see what you say. So, um, I guess a couple last announcements. Um, we're on Clubhouse now, so if you want to join our Clubhouse, uh, go to clubhouse.com slash club slash Chillinois, and you'll be able to join our Clubhouse. I'm really excited to say that we have some very professional guests from higher education. No, I'm not making a fucking lame weed pun by saying a higher these are people that work in our universities and institutions that are interested in coming on to the Chillinois podcast to talk about a standardized approach to cannabis and cannabis medicine. And I'm really excited for these guests because, you know, I'm just tired of uh, our, this industry, I about said our industry, the cannabis industry, um... Let me see how I want to say this. We it's like we shoot ourselves in the foot, you know, with some of the with some of the ways that we approach things and I think that the way that we've approached cannabis medicine specifically and cannabis like taxonomy, classification, it's just all wrong. And hear me out. I what what originally like intrigued me about the cannabis movement or the cannabis legalization movement is that it seemed to be an argument based in science oftentimes right we were we were making the distinction that no it's not a gateway drug right no it's not going to fry your brain cells no it doesn't necessarily make you dumber just because you smoke it you know you could say you could say all of these things you could say the same about alcohol you know, arguably. And I think that by selling cannabis as strains or as hybrid sativa or indica, like those categorizations specifically are very troubling for the cannabis movement, in my opinion. Um, you know, and you also think about just the way that, that this works out when we're talking about medicine, this doesn't take a similar pathway. And I'm not saying this is wrong. I'm just kind of, well, I guess I am kind of saying that 
these are troublesome and that they will will look back on these things and and that they're maybe hindering our the development of the movement. I guess I am kind of saying that. Um I just let me finish my thought real quick on the medicine. Like it doesn't take it doesn't t- medical cannabis there's not like con- <laughs> there's not a conventional patient doctor relationship mo- in most cases. In other words, it is just a recommendation for medical cannabis. It's not a prescription, right? So you have your allotment that you can, you know, fill every two weeks or, or you can get it increased, but like, that's not how it works with any other medicine, right? And I'm not saying that that specifically is wrong, but it's just a interesting um, part of, of how this whole process works. I, I just, if you can't tell, I'm I'm all over the place on this, but I seem to have struck a, per, a personal chord with with some of the folks that I'm talking about who are esteemed horticulturists, um, or studied, however you say it, esteemed. I don't know if that's the right way of saying it, but you know, I asked them. I asked why are why is cannabis separated into indica sativa hybrid at the counter? Because as I've understood it, the label sativa and indica cannot be used as a reliable indicator of a physiological response. As I've understood it, in the past, the terms sativa or indica were used as a subspecies classification for cannabis. Have you ever heard of binomial nomenclature, right? There's always a genus and a species, right? And so cannabis indica, cannabis sativa, right? Um, Sativa and indica have been colloquially, I have trouble saying that, used to describe morphological characteristics and physical adaptations of the cannabis plant. For example, broad leaves versus narrow leaves, adaptations to survive in high humidity, altitude, etc. And ultimately, from what I can tell, the terms sativa, indica, and hybrid have not historically been used to describe the physiological effects of a cannabis cultivar or variety. Which brings me to the next thought. Why is cannabis separated and sold as strains? I argue that it should be in fact sold as a cultivar or variety depending on whether or not the plant has one or more distinguishing characteristics and is true to seed. The thing is, as you guys might be aware, the word strain is borrowed from microbiology and it's mainly used to describe a genetic variant or subtype of a bacteria, fungus, or, drumroll please, virus, right? We've been talking about the new strain of coronavirus. So, simply put, strain is not in a horticulturist vernacular, right? It's not like they're like, yeah, this strain of corn is, you know, is it tastes really good, or this strain of corn grows really well, really high. They don't, they don't talk about that. They actually grow varieties of corn right um so so yeah and 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 we'll we'll actually talk to some horticulturists some people that actually know what they're talking about and they'll like i said i've already kind of let it spoke with them leading up to our conversation they're on the same page as me and they're really excited to talk about this stuff because in short i believe that we should start standardizing cannabis medicine by looking at here's at least my initial proposal we should at least look at each individual's uh, plant's chemical profiles and group them according to terpenes, flavonoids, cannabinoids, and any other distinguishing feature. That's what's important. Any other distinguishing feature. 
Um, there's a company in the Netherlands. I've talked about them before. They're called Bedrocan. They seem to be pioneering this initiative. If you look them up, Bedrocan, B-E-D-R-O-C-A-N. They offer five medicinal cannabis varieties that each have their own unique, fully standardized genetic composition that is and remains the same for every year, quote, uh, remains the same, quote, for every batch, year in, year out, end quote. A, redu- a reproducible chemical profile should enable doctors to monitor dosage and effect on the disorder in the same way as they do with other standardized medications. Um, furthermore, I just really believe that we need to start taking a more scientific approach to the way um, to the way that we categorize and sell cannabis. I mean, it's just it's crazy. I was looking for this comment that our friend Vintage Buds made. Um, recently, let's see here. God damn it, I can't find it. We're live on the air, I can't find it. What the fuck? Um, let's see here. Come on, Cole. You're dropping the ball. Well, in the meantime, folks, in the meantime, in between time, um, that Vice News recently did uh, some coverage on the Illinois cannabis market. If you'd like to see um, the coverage, just go to. I'm dropping the ball on this one too. God damn it! Let's see. Just go to bit.ly/vice/ilcannabis. That's bit.ly/vice/ilcannabis. And that should get you. That should get you right in. Um, wow, I really have lost this freaking note. That's so crazy. Well, anyways, I wanted to start a conversation about taking a standardized approach because, you know, we've been taking a largely proprietary approach. And it's just not been, it it just doesn't make sense scientifically. And I'm going to have some scientists on to talk about it, right? I'm not a scientist, so I'm just doing you guys a disservice by even trying to to elaborate on what exactly I'm trying to talk about. The point is, I'm putting pieces of the puzzle together. These motherfuckers say I'm on the right track. Let's see. We'll have a conversation. And as always, don't hesitate to share your thoughts with us because... Um, we're all about, you know, feedback and it's ultimately what drives us. So go to chillinoynet slash contact and, uh, we can, we can get your feedback, take it into account and go from there. So I want to really quick just say that I'm I apologize if I was all over the map on this podcast. Like I said, it's been a pretty rough week, uh, for me personally. Um, yeah. We won't get into that, though. Um, Just stay tuned for new episodes of the um, podcast. We've got new episodes on 712. Um, Kate Manson from tarotcbd.com. Justine's going to be the host of that episode. We've got another episode dropping on 719. Um, 
yeah, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for uh, the support. Um, it means a lot. So um, that that was the that was this is the episode. <laughs> I can't even speak. This has been another episode of the Chillinoy Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Hey guys, as soon as I stopped recording this podcast, I found the comment from Vintage Buds that I wanted to uh, share. So uh, I'm adding this, just full disclosure, I'm adding this on to the end of the podcast. I apologize if the recording of this part of the show is is not as great as the rest of the show. Uh, to be completely candid, I'm recording this part off of my phone. So the comment that Buds made was regarding a crop sciences 480 class that is going to be taught at UIUC. And he basically said that um, since this since the University of Illinois is a major research university, the class will undoubtedly cover many basics and be immediately useful in that regard. Um, but as Professor Lee notes, lots of YouTubes and a lot of stuff available, but not necessarily not necessarily scientifically proven information. Buds goes on to say, I'd expect that a significant part of the class would be how to organize and utilize a data-driven approach that turns practical but largely anecdotal information into a form that would begin building towards a more scientific approach that can be validated with hard numbers. This would eventually include things like standardized open research protocols and peer review of research. But those tendencies would trend against the largely proprietary practices currently in use. It would also tend to professionalize mid-level management and R&D pools, which as competition grows will define those who succeed and those who fail in the industry. So I really thought that was a a beautiful uh, comment. Thank you, Buds, uh, for leaving it on our subreddit. Um, We'll definitely be having Buds back on the show in the future. That reminds me, I need to follow up with him. We've been going back and forth on on another uh, appearance, so stay tuned uh, for that. But uh, yeah, I wanted to, because I dropped the ball just a little bit ago in the podcast before I stopped recording, I wanted to make sure that I found this quote and that I included it in the podcast so you guys weren't just like, what the fuck, you kept me hanging. So um, I hope that you found as much value in that comment as I did. I really agree with where he's coming from on that, and I plan to bring um, that perspective, including... Um, some of the other things I was saying about strains and and the way that cannabis is categorized, I plan to bring uh, all of that information to esteemed professionals to see what they think about it, and think if and see if they think that a standardized approach is something that we need to take uh, going forward, as opposed to the approach we've been taking. So, yeah, should be interesting. So stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time on the Chillinois Podcast.